Welcome to Alcohol Across America with your host, Dr. Brad Crever, along with a weekly panel of co-hosts. Our program examines the impact of beverage alcohol on public health and safety, the nation's economy, and American culture. Each week, we discuss current trends and issues. Now, here is your host, Dr. Brad Crever. Welcome to Alcohol Across America, a weekly examination of alcohol and the alcohol industry and how alcohol impacts our own health and well-being and impacts our communities, our colleges, and our universities. Today, our focus is on the ways in which beverage alcohol impacts our health and well-being, which today is a much more complex and confusing issue than it seemed to have been 20 years ago. Joining me is my co-host, Charles Curry, the former administrator under the second President Bush of the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Administration, the federal agency which funds much of the treatment and prevention infrastructure in the 50 states and territories. Hello, Charlie. Hello, Brad. It's really great to be with you again today. And uh, I appreciate uh, the opportunity and and to be here for our second of three programs in this series, as you indicated, of alcohol and health. Uh, of course, last month, our first show, we considered with our guest, Ralph Blackman, with the Foundation for Advancing Alcohol Responsibility, the area of prevention, a very uh, important public health priority to prevent problems before they emerge, and specifically looked at effective ways to reduce and eliminate underage drinking, drunk driving, alcohol misuse, and overuse. And then next month will be our third in the series where we'll interview Dr. Hal Urschel, an addiction psychiatrist. He's based in Dallas, Texas, and we'll take up a, an up-close look at the latest treatments and medications available to treat alcohol dependence and addiction disorders. Uh, today, I'm very much looking forward to our program uh, as we look to the heart of the matter of what impact alcohol has on our health, both individually and as a nation. And uh, to consider this very important topic, uh, we're pleased to have with us today uh, Dr. Monica Gorovich, a research scientist with extensive policy and corporate scientific affairs leadership experience in the arena of understanding the impact beverage alcohol has on one's health. Welcome, Monica, and thank you for being with us this afternoon. Thank you, Charlie, and thank you, Brad. I'm really excited to be here and discuss this really important topic. Well, well, Monica, uh, you and I have known each other for over 15 years and first met while I was at SAMHSA and the Department of Health and Human Services. And at that time, you were in charge of scientific affairs at the Distilled Spirits Council. And Brad, I know you and you and Monica have known each other for several years as well. Yes. And, uh, and Monica, you've had a very interesting career with a central focus on both doing and bringing forth research on the impact alcohol has on health as well as developing programs to prevent and reduce alcohol abuse. Could you tell us a little more about your background and what's kept you motivated to stay in this arena of research for virtually uh, your entire career? Yeah, Charlie, thank you. It's been very exciting. So a little bit about me. By training, I'm a clinical psychologist and neuropsychologist. And right out of graduate school, I went to the National Institutes of Health and was there for about five years with a a fellowship looking at the brain and cognition and in different populations. And then just sort of one of those things fell into a job at, of all places, the Distilled Spirits Council, and as you said, ran their Office of Scientific Affairs for 17 years. And while I was there, what we did was worked with 
agencies in the United States and globally as well, making sure that policies were evidence-based and consistent with the science and worked hand-in-hand with um, partners in the communities and all over many different health professionals. Also, in addition to policies, really creating programs where there really had been none to ensure that people had information about drinking moderately and then also preventing and reducing alcohol abuse. It was, it was very interesting in that um, we started to survey health professionals and they said that it was one of those just forgotten areas. It was an area that health professionals really didn't talk a lot about and they didn't really have resources or nowhere to go to put things together. So we didn't, there were many different things out there, so we just helped them put them all together and get them out. And we'll talk about a lot of those things later on in the show, like dietary guidelines for Americans and those types of resources that our government already puts together. And then from there, I went over to Diageo, one of the the largest um, beer, wine, and spirits producers in the world, and did the same exact thing, but around the world in supporting um, governments in in countries around the world. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, that's a little bit what I've done. Well, it's it's uh, certainly you, you've been able to work at all levels, from the uh, uh, medical level, the health level, as well as the policy, programmatic, national and international levels. So, it's um, uh, we're looking very forward to our discussion today. You're uh, talking about being the scientific affairs uh, uh, leader at the Distilled Spirits Council, um, and speaking of the science, there's a massive amount of research on alcohol and its impact on health. And what we see on a fairly regular basis in the media that it seems like a new research report comes out on a pretty regular basis telling us of the dangers of overuse or abuse of alcohol as it relates to serious chronic diseases, accidents, uh, the development of alcohol dependence or addiction. And on the other hand, we also see a fairly regular flow of, of media coverage on research that indicates there are potential health benefits to alcohol use or what's defined as moderate consumption. And while we'll go deeper into the research a little later, let's let's first talk about is as you see this massive amount of information about where should a person in, in their own in their own personal life begin to turn to understand what impact alcohol can have on one's health. There are actually, as you mentioned, dietary guidelines that have been set up by the federal government. Uh, can you help us understand these guidelines and the scientific basis underlying these guidelines as to what is considered uh, dangerous alcohol consumption and what's considered safe and uh, reasonable consumption? Yes, Charlie. The United States is is really great in trying to offer nutrition guidance on what is you know, sort of the the best that science has to offer in giving us information on on food and drink. And that includes carbohydrates and protein and salt and fat and sugar and alcohol. And they 
the first dietary guidelines for Americans came about in 1980. And by federal mandate, they are revised every five years. There's two agencies that do these together in conjunction, and it's um, the Department of Agriculture and Health and Human Services. Every five years, one of those takes one of those agencies takes the lead, and there's a panel of experts from a, around the country that is formed that have expertise in nutrition and understand the science. And then they put together questions in each of the areas for the guidelines, and they try and answer those questions to see if each of the guidelines needs to be revised or they stay the same. And over since 1980, pretty much all of the guidelines, as you know, have have changed quite a bit. You know, we we have differences in how much sodium we should should consume or how much fat. Those types of things. Very interestingly, with respect to alcohol, although there have been subtle changes, the amount of alcohol that's recommended by our government has stayed the same, and that is up to one drink a day for women and up to two drinks a day for men. So uh, it's interesting. Uh, there is a clear scientific basis for that, and, and with that consistency, uh, as, as you begin to look at uh, that guideline, um, we also begin thinking about if you're talking one a day for a woman, two a day for men. Um, we we hear terms, uh, and, and I'm assuming that would be in the realm of moderate drinking. Uh, but we also hear terms of uh, binge drinking and heavy drinking. Binge drinking is associated with tragedies uh, such as alcohol poisoning or um, other injuries that are re- resulted from binge drinking or even, and even death. And uh, we also hear the term heavy drinking as a cause of longer-term health problems. Uh, as, as we look at the guidelines and as we consider uh, alcohol consumption, what exactly is the definition of binge drinking and, and heavy drinking as compared to a moderate level of consumption? Yeah, and Charlie, that is a fantastic question. And that is something that the, the dietary guidelines committees over the years have tried to give more information about. It was not something they had in some of the original guidelines, and over the past couple of years, they have given more definition because they do, in fact, think it's very important. It is something that the National Institute on Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism has given guidance on in the past. And um, so for the definition of heavy or high-risk drinking, that is more than three drinks on any given day, or more than the seven drinks a day for women, and more than four drinks on any given day, or more than 14 per week for men. And that's considered high risk or heavy drinking. For binge drinking, for men, it's more than five drinks in two hours or more than four drinks in two hours for women. And that's enough drinks to get you above the legal um, blood alcohol content level. Monica, this is Brad. May I ask you, uh, 
it seems as though um, it's the same standard for someone who's like myself is five foot eight and maybe 10 pounds over ideal weight as it is for a gentleman who's six four and weighs 220 pounds. Why is that? Yeah, Brad, fantastic question. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that later as what factors affect how you metabolize alcohol and how that's going to affect your blood alcohol content. These are general recommendations based on, on averages, and they all center around the, the research. But you're right. You sort of have to take your individual characteristics into account. So, so these guidelines are really averages to give us a guide. But as uh, the point Brad is making, uh, some someone who who physically is is larger, uh, uh, again, alcohol may impact them in in a different way, or even not as a, a quick way as someone who is uh, has a smaller body size, for example. Um, and what's interesting is as we talk about, you were talking about the definition of binge drinking, heavy drinking. We're talking about the number of drinks per day or number of drinks within a two-hour period. So it, it seems essential for a person to make uh, uh, good judgments regarding uh, levels of alcohol consumption or not overconsuming it, understanding, you know, what is the size of a drink, uh, one standard drink. And, and could, you, could you review that for us? I know it varies according to the type of beverage, whether it's beer or wine or distilled spirits, correct? Yeah, absolutely. And just I want to step back a, a second. And before I get to that, I think it's it's really important to talk about two things. As the guidelines were put together, there were a couple things that particularly in one thing, particularly in this guideline, but it's, it's been becoming more important over the past several years that the committee took into consideration and wanted to to emphasize, and that is alcohol contains calories. As we all know, you know, obesity is, and people being overweight are a really important consideration. So as a, as a general rule, a drink of beer contains about 150 calories. A drink of wine, standard drink of wine, contains about 120, and spirits contains... 98. And we'll talk a little bit later more about how you can find out how many calories are actually in what you're drinking and and why that's important. But it is important to understand that alcohol has calories and it is part of your your daily calorie intake. The other important point is that there are individuals who should not drink. We're talking about moderate, heavy, and and binge drinking. But there are individuals who shouldn't drink. Excuse me. That includes individuals who cannot control their drinking, women who are pregnant. And our government has, there are some governments who are not clear on on pregnancy. Ours has always been very clear that if you are pregnant, you should not drink. Women of childbearing age who may become pregnant, children and adolescents, and we'll talk a little bit about that later. Mm-hmm. Individuals taking medications that interact with alcohol, 
people with specific medical conditions were drinking is contraindicated. And again, mm-hmm. we'll talk more about this later, but if you have okay. any problems with your liver, those types of things. Sure. Well, th- well, thanks, Monica, for helping us begin to understand the dietary guidelines. And it's time for us to take a break. Um, and uh, when we come back, we'll continue our conversation and consider also along with the standard drinks, just how our body processes alcohol. This is Charlie Curie along with uh, Alcohol Across America host Brad Kreber on Voice America's business channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Responsible Retailing Forum is a leader in the industry, bringing together public and private stakeholders, regulatory and enforcement agencies, attorneys general, public health agencies and producers, and community leaders and researchers in order to identify and promulgate best practices for responsible retailing and engage the stakeholders in examinations of responsible retailing policies. For more information on RR Forum or its partners or how your community can get involved, please visit rrforum.org. It's time to take charge of your own career path. But how do you get started? First, tune in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. Each show will feature national business leaders, tips and insight from Marie and her guests, career management tools, and a weekly career smart tip. She'll help you move forward, earn that promotion, get hired into the career you want, and brand yourself. The Career Confidant is broadcast live every Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Alcohol Across America. We'd love to hear from you with questions and comments about our program. Please send an email to crever at rrforum.org. That's K-R-E-V-O-R at rrforum.org. Now back to Alcohol Across America. Welcome back to our show today. Uh, this is Charlie Curie along with Brad Crover of Alcohol Across America, where we're continuing our conversation with Dr. Monica Gorovich, a research scientist with expertise in the area of alcohol use and health. Uh, before our break, you were just, uh, I believe, wrapping up a list of, of individuals uh, that should not drink alcohol. I want to give you an opportunity to to finish that list and discuss it, and then um, talk about you know the standard drink uh, according to type of beverage and why that's important for people to know. Great, thank you, Charlie. Yeah, just the 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 one other area on that list is is people engaging in activities that require attention, skill, or coordination. And then on to standard drinks. And as, as you say, it's very important because the, the guidelines 
talk about one or two or three or four drinks. Well, what is a drink? And the the guidelines have always said 12 ounces of regular beer, five ounces of wine, or one and a half fluid ounces of spirits. And that's... Um, that converts into 14 grams of alcohol. In this um, edition, the 2015 edition, they actually called each of those drinks an equivalent, and anything above or below that was, you know, a partial equivalent or an extra equivalent. So, for example, if you were drinking a craft beer, which is usually higher than a 5%, you know, maybe an 8%, you'd have like 1.2 equivalent. So you have to keep that in mind as you're doing your your dietary guidelines, you know, computation of drinks. And what's very important to understand is that it's the same molecule in whether it's beer, wine, or spirits. So regardless of the type of drink you're consuming, alcohol is alcohol. So it's, it's all the same. It's all the same to your body, regardless of what you're, you're consuming. Mm-hmm. And so, so even though there's different sizes of beverages, the alcohol content, 12 ounces of beer, uh, 5 ounces with wine, 1.5 ounces with distilled spirits, it's the same amount of alcohol in, in those drinks, and that's why it's important to, to be mindful of that as you're trying to make informed decisions. That's exactly right. Um, well, talking about, you just made the point, alcohol is alcohol is alcohol. And I understand that there are different factors that also can influence, as we talk about alcohol, how our body physically processes alcohol. Can you take a step back and walk us through a bit about how the body processes alcohol and discuss some of those important factors, for example? Can you give us some clarity? You've been talking about, you know, drinks for men and women are different in terms of like a daily or weekly uh, standard. Uh, What are some of those differences uh, when it comes to considered what's moderate binge and heavy drinking? Sure. So let's take a quick step back. What is alcohol? As I said, it's the same molecule for beer, wine, and spirits. And basically it's carbon, hydrogen, and oxygen. And it's created in the process of making beer, wine, and spirits broken down from natural products, grains, fruits, and other types of ingredients. When you drink that molecule, it enters your bloodstream through the digestive system. It goes to every organ in your body, including your brain and your liver. As you know, you feel good when you first consume alcohol. It hits your brain, your your adrenal organs, and you feel good. But it's very important to remember that alcohol is actually a depressant. It will always slow your nervous system down, even though you feel good when you first drink it. The way that alcohol is measured in the bloodstream is in terms of, as we said before, the blood alcohol content, the BAC. And that's determined, defined as the percentage of, of alcohol in your blood. 
and it can be tested through urine, breath, or blood. That's the, the BAC that if you get stopped by the police that you blow into, the breathalyzer. The most important organ for how we break down alcohol is the liver. There's an enzyme in the liver called alcohol dehydrogenase, or ADH, that breaks down alcohol. And it can only break down alcohol so quickly, and that is approximately, in most individuals, about one drink per hour. But it does vary by individual according to a range of factors. So if you only have one drink per hour, your BAC is not going to raise. The more drinks you have over top of that, that enzyme is not going to be able to break it down and your BAC will continue to raise. The factors that affect that are your, your general health, how good you're feeling. Obviously, as we talked about, the quantity of alcohol. Very importantly, food. Food will affect, can slow down the absorption of alcohol. It cannot speed up how quickly alcohol leaves your system, but it can keep your BAC from getting high as quickly. So you hear tips all the time, and we'll talk a little bit more about it later. You should always eat while you're drinking. You will not get your BAC as high as quickly. And as you, as you brought up, do men and women process alcohol differently? They do. And there's a few different reasons for that. As I talked about, alcohol is processed in all the cells of your body that have water. Well, women have less water than men, so that's one of the reasons why women don't process alcohol as well. Women are generally smaller than men, so they're going to have, alcohol is going to have a bigger effect. Most important, women have less of that important enzyme, ADH, than do men. So they are less efficient at breaking down alcohol. In addition to all of that, their organs are more vulnerable to the effects of alcohol. So alcohol is a bigger punch on them, and their, their organs are more vulnerable. So it's really important for women not to try and keep up with men um, and to not drink more than men. And that's why in most countries there's a difference between the dietary guideline for men and the dietary guideline for women. Well, that's very important to note, and uh, I think important that I'm not sure the public at large is fully aware of that, as well as, as all the overall dietary guidelines. So I'm glad we're having this conversation today. It's also interesting to note, uh, as, as I think about standard drink and what one drink is, that for virtually every food or beverage item we purchase out of the, at the grocery store or supermarket, there's a label on that item informing the consumer of nutritional information, calories, sodium, protein, carbohydrates, vitamins, fiber, uh, serving size. Uh, and that, and this is a government requirement. However, it's 
more interesting to note, there's no such label on alcoholic beverage containers, such as wine, beer, or distilled spirit bottles. It seems that such information, especially serving size, as, as we consider the definition of moderate binge and heavy drinking, and people hosting uh, social events at home or, or making decisions uh, at, at social occasions, um, that it would be important to have some sort of label why is this the case? And, and do you think alcoholic beverages should be required to have nutritional labels like other food and beverage items? Yeah, that's a, it's a great question and something that's been very controversial for a very long time. And this has also been one of those very interesting partnerships. There have been a, a couple companies in the alcohol industry that have partnered with consumer groups lobbying the government get labels on alcoholic beverage containers. And their feeling is that better information would lead to better choices and that would lead to better lifestyles and less alcohol misuse. They've done surveys and consumers said that they want the information. They think that it would help them follow the dietary guidelines better. You know, Again, the dietary guidelines say, you know, one drink, up to one drink a day for women, up to two drinks a day for men. But how do you follow that if that information is not on your label, right? Mm-hmm. So the government was very reticent to put that information, allow that information on the label. So it was back and forth for many, many years. Several, a few years back, the government has begun allowing that information voluntarily on the label. And Diageo was the first, and then there have been other companies who have followed in beginning to put voluntary labels on that include serving size, amount of alcohol in a drink, again, very important calories and then breaking it down into nutrition information. In addition to that, many companies have very sophisticated information on their websites as well. I don't know whether this is going to become mandatory. I think if consumers begin to really request it, that is what will move the needle. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it just strikes me, for example, people hosting a party at their home. Uh, if it says on a particular bottle, there are like a wine bottle that there's, you know, four and a half servings of wine in this bottle, you know, then that that's, you know, approximately four glasses of, of wine, uh, four glasses of standard drink. And you'd be able to gauge or on distilled spirit. There are 17 servings in this bottle. Uh, it, 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 I think it is an eye-opener as people are thinking about that. So I, uh, it's, this is a very important issue, and, and, uh, and it does sound like we have made some prog- progress, but there's a way, uh, a way to go still on that Char- issue. Charlie? Sure. I may add, I'd like to ask you, Monica, I I think a lot of people have heard and understand that there are equivalent amounts of alcohol in the three different servings you described of wine and beer and spirits. But I don't think it's generally known that the spirits, for instance, might have 50 percent fewer calories for that serving than beer. Uh, Is that generally widely known? And if so, if not, do you think it will affect uh, um, drinking patterns and, and choice selections in the future. 
Yeah, that's it's a great question. I don't think it's widely known. And I I think as a matter of fact, when one surveys, often people think spirits have more calories. Um and I think it it could affect choices. I think the other thing that people don't understand is for example, um spirits have no carbohydrates whereas beer um, because they're not distilled out, does have carbohydrates. Uh, wine has has a few. These things are not known. The other thing that's phenomenally important, as as craft breweries have been popping up, the the ABV on beer has begun to vary widely. It, there was a time when the average beer was about 5%. Now it's become much higher, as has wine. The average wine used to be 12%, and now that has crept up as well. Spirits also have been changing. They've actually, I believe, gone a little bit lower than the traditional 40%. But again, it's important to, un- to know what those are so one can understand what is a, a drink. You know, as we uh, uh, wrap up this particular segment, I, you know, at the outset we, of the show, we mentioned there's a large amount of research that exists around the impact alcohol consumption has. What are, what are the health risks overall of alcohol use, especially as it relates to binge or heavy drinking? What are some of the typical serious health conditions that can develop? Yeah, and that's that's phenomenally important. And th- this area has been studied for decades and decades, both risks and benefits. And alcohol, it's important to understand, has both immediate and long-term benefits. And or effects. And those effects can be beneficial or harmful depending on the amount consumed, the age of the person, and other characteristics of the person drinking. Okay? Um, and so. Well, we, well, Monica, we're ready for a, a short break here. Uh, <laughs> and uh, when we return, uh, I think we can continue our conversation on uh, on those adverse health conditions, but also address the issue of how can alcohol be part of a healthy diet and uh, and what are some of the health benefits as well. So this is Alcohol Across America on Voice America's Business Channel with host Brad Crever and, and me, Charlie Curie, and uh, we'll be right back. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Responsible Retailing Forum is a leader in the industry, bringing together public and private stakeholders, regulatory and enforcement agencies, attorneys general, public health agencies and producers, and community leaders and researchers in order to identify and promulgate best practices for responsible retailing and engage the stakeholders in examinations of responsible retailing policies. For more information on RR Forum or its partners, or how your community can get involved, please visit rrforum.org. 
You have a message. You want to share that message. You want it to be social, to go viral, and spread across the planet. But how do you get started? Tune into Amplify, featuring host Ken Roshan. This show is here to help you take that message and channel it through the most effective marketing techniques to not only be successful, but have a positive impact on the world. Tune in live every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel. And get Amplified. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Alcohol Across America. We'd love to hear from you with questions and comments about our program. Please send an email to crever at rrforum.org. That's K-R-E-V-O-R at rrforum.org. Now back to Alcohol Across America. This is Charlie Curie back with Alcohol Across America host Brad Crever as we bring to a close our conversation on alcohol and health with Dr. Monica Gorovich. Uh, before our last break, Monica, uh, we were discussing some of the typical serious health consequences that can arise uh, through prolonged heavy drinking, binge drinking, uh, misuse of alcohol. Uh, And then we also were beginning to talk about some of the benefits of of moderate alcohol. What, again, let's let's go back to uh, wrapping up the consideration of the serious health conditions. Okay, great, Charlie, thank you. So as I was saying, they're both short and long-term effects. So with respect to the short-term effects, if you, if you drink to excess in the short term, it obviously it impairs your judgment and therefore can increase the likelihood of participating in risky behaviors. Those risky behaviors can result in injuries, accidents, unsafe sex, being the victim of a crime. These are all really important to consider and are very real consequences. And also very important that people, just many people aren't aware that drinking very large amounts, very large amounts in one occasion can lead to acute alcohol poisoning, which can result in unconsciousness, coma, or even death. It's something we read about, we hear about it, but it's amazing the number of people who don't understand that if you drink too much at one time, it can literally kill you. Well, it seems like every year we, we read something happening on college college campus or some sort of hazing or something is occurring along those lines, and it just seems uh, all too frequent. Yeah, 
and it, it's something we need to educate our children better about, and we need to talk about and understand better. So let's talk very, a little bit about the longer-term effects. So if you drink too much, and we talked about those definitions, on a long-term basis, there are serious consequences, and they can be alcohol dependence, also known as alcoholism. But as we said, it affects all of the organs in your body. So some of the most noted are problems with your pancreas or liver. There's cognitive impairment. It starts to affect your brain. It raises your blood pressure and affects your heart muscles. So there's different types of heart disease. And it is also associated with certain types of cancer. There's emotional and health problems are well documented. And again, if you drink too much on a long-term basis, it can result in brain damage and death. The other thing that's really important to understand is if you are dependent on alcohol, just stopping on your own can be, that withdrawal can be very dangerous. So if you suspect that you are dependent on alcohol, it's really important to talk to a healthcare professional and get help. Oh, that that's extremely helpful, Monica. Um, and, and again, as we were talking earlier, a moderate drinking, so research has been indicating, has been linked to certain health benefits. Uh, what do we know from the research studies about the health benefits of moderate alcohol consumption? And can alcohol be part of a healthy diet? <laughs> yeah, on a, on a more positive note. So, again, this is an area that has been studied for decades. And we know a lot about this. And if you listen to the to the media, it seems like a little bit controversial, but it, this is a solid area of research. So for people who consume moderately, and that's that up to one drink a day for women, up to two drinks a day for men, and this, this comes from studies around the world, research shows that that moderate consumption is associated with a decreased risk of cardiovascular disease, so all types of disease associated with the heart, a decreased risk of type 2 diabetes in both of those in middle-aged and older adults, also a decreased risk of osteoporosis, bone disease, and slowed cognitive decline, so whether it's certain types of stroke or also dementia. Importantly, it's for middle-aged and older adults, not for young people. There are also studies that show, even with moderate consumption, there's a slight increased risk for breast cancer, and it's a dose-response relationship. So the more you drink, the more increase you have. Now, there are also lots of studies that show if you take Everything into account, um, injuries and breast cancer and all the bad things and all the good things, people who drink moderately live longer than people who either 
do not drink at all or people who drink too much. So it sort of is a personal equation for you, right? Mm -hmm. If you're already drinking and the things you worry about are, you know, heart disease and, and things where there's a reduction, then you're good. If you have concerns about some of the things that moderate drinking may raise your risks for, it's important to discuss them with a health professional. Well, it's interesting that uh, some of the very things that are serious health conditions due to long-term heavy drinking, for example, heart damage, uh, cardiovascular issues, high blood pressure, uh, moderate drinking actually has a beneficial impact on that. And that's that's very interesting uh, uh, to to see that relationship. Um, but, but, Monica, there are also a significant number of people that choose not to drink alcohol for a variety of legitimate reasons. And you listed earlier people who should, should never drink alcohol. But, however, in light of the health benefits you described, what do you have to say to people who don't consume or rarely consume alcohol? Should they start drinking? Yeah, that's a great question. And so, for example, in the United States, about 62%, there was just a, a recent Gallup poll released yesterday, and it's 62% of, of the U.S. adult population consume. So 38% don't. And people don't consume because religious reasons, they have a family history of, of people who can't control their, you know, their alcohol and, and all the reasons, you know, we listed, or they just don't like the taste of it, right? So there are plenty of other factors where you can decrease your risk of all those other diseases. You know, there's controlling for your, you know, better diet and, and exercise and not smoking and all those other things. So while alcohol may reduce your risk for those diseases, it's not a necessity and you don't need to do it. The reason yeah. people drink is because it's enjoyable and it, it adds to their quality of life. Doing it for reduction of disease is not a reason to drink. But yeah. it's, so, so bottom it's line, great. you're saying don't if you, if you don't drink for legitimate reasons, don't start because of this research. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, earlier you were talking about, um, you know, the impact of alcohol. You mentioned some things such as, you, you know, eating, you know, consuming food when, when you're consuming alcohol that has a mitigating factor. Um, what should we keep in mind for staying healthy and, and safe in our consumption of alcoholic beverages? Uh, I guess I'd say what tips should we keep in mind, especially when uh, you're going out with friends, going to social events, or even hosting an event where alcohol will be served what are some of the things uh, both hosts and guests should keep in mind? Yeah, that's that's great. And this is, you know, part of if you're going to drink, keeping alcohol is part of a healthy or balanced lifestyle, right? So, you know, know for yourself, plan how much you're going to consume that night. So it fits into your alcohol plan. And then you can intersperse, you know, your alcohol drinks with non-alcohol drinks. As we talked about, 
always have some food. It doesn't have to be a meal, but always have some food with your alcohol so you can slow your absorption. Use standard drink measures or pre-mixed drinks, whether you're out or you're serving someone else. Never drink and drive, right? So whether it's a designated driver or an Uber number or a taxi number, make sure you don't drink and drive or anybody you're with the same. Um, forget about drinking games, right? It's, it's just a recipe for overconsumption. If you're serving alcohol, make sure you're not topping off people's drinks because then they can't count them. You know, that, that's a really good point. How often have you seen someone hosting a party that are trying to be hospitable and uh, the person maybe has consumed a third uh, of their glass of wine and, and the host keeps topping it off? And by the end of the evening, the person may think they only had one or two glasses, but easily could have had double that in that kind of situation. That's exactly right. And you're just trying to be a gracious host, but, but actually it could be very important to that person that they're, they're counting. And then, you know, when, when you're out, and this is particularly important to, you know, talk to young people about, you want to look out for each other, right? Make sure nobody leaves their drinks unattended so somebody can drop something in it. Um, if, if a friend of yours looks like they've had too much to drink, look out for them so they don't get into dangerous situations. And if they, you know, pass out, don't leave them alone. Make sure they're, they're taken care of. Very good. Um, it's basically look out after yourself, be informed, and look out after others. Uh, real quickly, and then uh, I'd like to ask Brad to enter the conversation, are there websites uh, that are available to people to help educate them on these issues around standard drink and these types of tips? Yeah, there's some great websites. So um, National Institute of Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism, NIAAA.org, has various different places to go. Um, SAMHSA, SAMHSA.org also has great places to go. I think that's SAMHSA.gov, actually. I'm sorry. You're absolutely <laughs> yes, right. right. Thank you, Charlie. I know that one. Yeah. You do know that one. <laughs> And uh, one of the alcohol company websites, drinkiq.com, and I actually helped build that one, has some really fun um, informational sites as well as lots of resources that you can download that are really fun and will tell you calories and nutrition information and how many drinks you metabolize in an hour, all kinds of things like that. Well, let's turn it over to our, thank you, Monica. Let's turn it over to our host, Brad Kriver. Brad. Thank you very much. Monica, uh, you've been talking so much about the science and it's so eye-opening. And it, I had this association that, you know, recently with a lot of natural disasters we've seen, the hurricanes, floodings and such, I'm reminded that there's a real schism or conflict between the science of climate and cultural acceptance and attitudes. And I'd like to apply that to alcohol. With all you've been saying about the science of alcohol, has the culture accepted the science? Yeah, that's a, that's a really interesting question, Brad. So Charlie and I were just talking about this the other day. It is really fascinating with respect to 
both the, the science on deleterious effects as well as some of the, the moderate healthful effects of, of alcohol. As I said, this science has been going on for decades and decades, but it seems like every time an article, a scientific article comes out, it's as if it's brand new news. Um, it's not that people don't accept it. They, think they, they just can't seem to absorb it and understand that, first of all, alcohol can be part of a healthy, healthy diet, um, that too much alcohol is bad for you, or that alcohol could potentially be associated with reductions in disease. That same Gallup poll that I talked about for almost the past 10 years has sort of consistently shown that 25% of people think alcohol is bad for you. 50%, give or take, think alcohol makes no difference whether you when you drink it, and 20, 25% think alcohol is is good for you. It just <laughs> Let me expand changed. on that a bit. Um, I, I'm aware of uh, alcohol across the world, not just America, and in the United Kingdom, there's an ongoing, not discussion, but battle, open warfare between the public health community and the alcohol industry, and the consumers like it caught in this tug of war. How well are we as a country dealing with these challenges and balancing consumption and health compared to other countries? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a good question. We, and you know, we have done a phenomenal job of reducing our risky behaviors with alcohol. Our, you know, our drink driving numbers have consistently gone down. Our harmful drinking numbers have consistently gone down. So what we're doing in partnerships, you know, around the country is is working and people are understanding the science and that again the same Gallup poll the average number of drinks that that people are drinking are less than 7 drinks a week so it it is getting through so Thank i you, think Monica. we're i think we're doing a a pretty decent job here Thank you. Thank you, Monica, again. And thank you, Charlie. Um, I just find this so fascinating. And it seems every week there's more information, which forces you to modify your thinking a bit. Um, next week, our program will be co-hosted by Scott Wexler of the Empire State Restaurant and Tavern Association. We'll discuss with our guests the challenges faced by small package stores, restaurants, and taverns, um, including the, some of the issues that Monica was bringing up about consumption and, and consumers. Uh, but we'll all be looking at the big box liquor store versus the small box stores, local restaurants and taverns struggling to compete with national chains, and a growing web of local, state, and federal laws, rules, and regulations adding to the cost of doing business. This is Brad Kreber thanking you for joining us on Alcohol Across America. Thank you for joining us this week for Alcohol Across America. Please join Dr. Brad Crever and another weekly guest expert next Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time 
on the Voice America Business Channel. Until our next program, be safe and have a great week.